talking with Brother Andy uh, right afterwards. It was about a five-minute conversation, and he mentioned something um, about the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit and uh, whether or not we take the Holy Spirit for granted. And I, I said, no. Not, in my mind, it was absolutely not. And as, by the time we were done with our conversation, it was probably 90 seconds, I uh, looked at Brother Andy and I said, well, I now have a day to get ready for my sermon that you have just changed because now you put, uh, the Lord has put something on my heart. And with that, we are going to talk about uh, our, our topic or our, the- our, our title today is uh, the Holy Ghost. And let's pray. Lord and blessed Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to gather together. Lord, thank you so much for just this church and the, uh, the people that uh, make up this church, Lord, that you just allow us to, to serve you together, Lord, that we can come to you corporately in prayer, Lord, and corporately in worship, and just thank you for that ability. Lord, and I just pray that you would just meet with us today, that you said where two or three are gathered in your name, that there you are in the midst, Lord, and I just pray that you would meet with us. Lord, that I, I pray that you would uh, speak through me, Lord, that it would not be my words, Lord. I cannot do this without you, Lord. And I know that you've given me something, Lord, for, for our church. And I just pray that you, you do the speaking, Lord. And I just pray that I, we can uh, take something that you have for us and then we can apply it to our lives. Lord, I just, again, thank you for all that you do in your precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit. And, and again, so as I was thinking, uh, as Brother Andy was talking, I was paying attention to what Brother Andy was uh, talking about, and, uh, but it was really just, it was churning in my mind. Do we take the Holy Spirit for granted? We always talk about the Father. We always talk about the Son. But where's the Holy Spirit? And uh, as I was thinking about it, at first I was like, uh-uh. No, I don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. But then as I was making an assessment, uh, do I really even know who the Holy Spirit is? Do I really know who the Holy Spirit is? And do I know who the, or what the Holy Spirit really does? Because if I don't understand who He is and what He does, how do I know what to do? And if I don't know what to do, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Do I know if I'm doing anything wrong? So uh, when I think about who the Holy Spirit is, because I'm going to tell you, and as you'll find uh, throughout this, uh, this message, the Holy Spirit is a person, and, and we're going to cover who that, uh, who that person is. So uh, I have about 18 different uh, uh, portions of Scripture. I, I try to flag them out, um, so we're going to see how this uh, works out. All the scriptures will be on the on the board, but it, we're going to play sword drill. So if any of you guys remember sword drills, who can get there the fastest? Um, because I have a limited amount of time. Um, I don't think Miss Steffi wants to be here until 830. So we will try to hurry. So uh, if you would, uh, the first thing that we need to know is who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, number one, he's God. The Holy Spirit is God. Turn to Acts chapter 5. See, my system's already messing me up here. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, But Peter said, Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost, and to keep back part of the price of the land? 
While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this saying in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now, when we start thinking about the Holy Spirit and uh, as God, and we look at Ananias and Sapphira, um, the story, uh, just quick context of the story, Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, and uh, they decided to keep a, uh, back a portion of it instead of giving it all to God. And what we see is Peter's telling, uh, telling Ananias, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And then if you skip down into verse four, or verse 4, he says, you're not lying unto me. You're not lying unto men. You're lying to God. You're lying to Holy Spirit. You're lying to God. Um, and then when we look at uh, John chapter 5, First uh, John chapter 5, excuse me, First John chapter 5, when we're looking at who the Holy Spirit is, First John chapter 5 verse 7 uh, lays it out clearly. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now when we look at the Father, we know we're talking about God the Father. When we look at the Word, uh, that's the same, uh, it's the same word that's been in, used in the Gospel of John. Word there is Logos, and we know that we're talking about Jesus. We know we're talking about the Son. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, those are interchangeable names. Uh, and this is that best part. And these three are one. We know that the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible says over and over that the Holy Spirit is part of that trinity, a part of that, God, uh, that three-person Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we know that, number one, uh, when we look at who he is, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is also truth. The Holy Spirit is also truth. John fifteen twenty six. There, real quickly. John fifteen twenty six says, "But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of Truth, which proceedeth from me, uh, from the Father, he shall testify of me." So. We know that the Holy Spirit is God, and then he sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, another name for the Holy Spirit, and that Spirit is to testify of God. You see, when we look at our, us bearing witness, because if you look at the next verse, it says, And ye also shall, shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. beginning. We as Christians bear witness of God, but we are not testing, testifying of God of ourselves. The Holy Spirit that is indwelling in us is the one that is doing the testifying of God. He is testify, testifying of Himself, and we know that He is the Spirit. He is the uh, Spirit of Truth, but He is also authority. He is also authority. Acts chapter ten, verses thirty-eight. Verse thirty-eight. This flag actually worked really well. Uh, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we talk about, or we're looking at Jesus Christ being anointed, not not being anointed with oil, but being anointed with the Holy Spirit and being empowered. That, uh, that anointed there is another uh, being appoint, uh, empowered with the authority thereof. And then we look at uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, this is uh, Jesus speaking uh, in the synagogue. And he's saying, the Spirit of the Lord, 
The Holy Spirit, another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. He has empowered me. He has given me authority to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus. Jesus was sent here to uh, preach the gospel. He gave sight to the blind. And And I like he gave sight to the blind because when we look at it, and I now understand how he almost trips every time. Uh, he gives sight to the, uh, to the blind. That's a metaphorically, like there's a spiritual and there is a physical application because he physically gave sight to the blind. But how often did we know as a natural man, those that could not understand the things of, of God, once the Holy Spirit indwells in us, which we'll go over in just a minute, how he indwells in us, how we start seeing things in a whole new light. Because he gives us sight. He has the authority. uh, And he gave Jesus that authority. So who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's God. He's truth and he is authority. But what does he do? What does he do? So when we start thinking of context of what does God do or what does the Holy Spirit do, um, and we think of do we over... Uh, overlook what he's doing? Do we take the Holy Spirit for granted? The first thing I was trying to, like, where's, where's, um, where's a visual? I need a visual. I need a visual. And I looked at my wife. It's like, there's my visual. Why is this the visual? So the Holy Spirit is doing something. Whether you see it or not, the Holy Spirit is busy. He is working. And he is doing a lot. Behind the scenes, we don't necessarily see it. And then I look at my wife, and all it takes is for her to be gone for a couple hours and to me parenting. I, I don't babysit. I parent my children. And, uh, and then I realize, oh, that's what my wife does. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that needs to be done. It's easy to say, like, all right, I got, I got the kids. No worries. I got this. And then I see all the things that, that happens, the laundry that definitely piles up that is magic there's no magic table that says if you put the laundry on the table uh the next time you see it it's all folded and put away magically that there is no there is no magical table uh dinner needs to be cooked and cleaned up after now i have uh, a magic button called children to go do the dishes but i have to tell them to to do the dishes but my wife oversees that. There's so many things that my wife oversees that until I actually stop and look and see what she's doing, that it just goes kind of overlooked. How much more with uh, the Holy Spirit, when we look at what he does, are we the same? Because what he does, one, he comforts. He comforts us. John chapter 14, John chapter 14, his name, the Holy Spirit's name in and of itself John chapter 14, verse uh, 15 through 18. If ye love me, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And just before we get too in-depth, the context here, Jesus, this is the upper room discourse. This is him getting ready to, uh, in just a few hours, he is going to be betrayed, and then he is going to be tried, and then he's going to the cross. This is 
Jesus talking to his disciples, getting them ready for what's about to come. And he tells us uh, in verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Let's pause here for just a second. I want you to think about this. John 3.16, we know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we know that God the Father gave Jesus. And we know that Jesus came to this earth to save our souls. To save us from the sins, from the iniquity that we have. We know that that's what Jesus came here to do. And God the Father sent his son for us in our place. Because we needed a savior. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to die. And those that are following him believe that he's a Messiah. He's going to save the nation of Israel how is he about to, how then is he about to die and then leave everyone comfort, comfortless? But he, God's telling us that he's not going to leave us comfortless because he shall give you another comforter that may, be, that may abide with you forever. Jesus sent, or God sent Jesus to be our Savior, and he was a perfect Savior. We couldn't have any, other, uh, any others. And then we look at, Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The same God that gave us a Savior is the same God that gave us a comforter, a perfect comforter for us to abide with us forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. When we look at that, when we understand who God is, or when we look at and we understand who the Holy Spirit is, He is God. And He is going to indwell us and be with us forever. Praise the Lord. Not only does He comfort us, but He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. I look at uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, Chapter 1, verse 2, real quick. And uh, thinking about sanctification uh, and what that, that word, that set apart, what that means. To be set apart. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Bless you. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. And then what is that setting of apart? Uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2 says it very well. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That sanctification, we are setting ourselves apart, giving God, uh, preparing God uh, to us a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit is, is, that is indwelling us is pushing us away from this world. God is pushing us away from the, the bounds of this world because he is setting us apart for something special for his use. And that is what he is, uh, that is what one of the things that the... Uh, Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit also teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. Uh, 
First John, or excuse me, John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have, uh, have, whatsoever I have said to you. And then right after that, uh, in First Corinthians two. Uh, nine through twelve, we, or nine through fourteen, we look at why do we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and to bring into remembrance? Because we can't understand the natural or the spiritual things without the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians two nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that is teaching us the things of, the, uh, of God, the spiritual things. Without the Holy Spirit, we are not able to discern those things that we find in God's Word. It is foolishness unto us because we are that natural, uh, carnal man. But once God is indwelling in us, once the Holy Spirit indwells in us, praise the Lord, we can look at our guidebook for, the, for our life through a biblical worldview that we can understand what God wants from us. It doesn't make sense. The, this, these spiritual things, they don't make sense to us when we don't have Christ uh, and we don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. I'm, a prime example, what's the, the two greatest commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophet. Who loves themselves? I mean, you should. You, should. you don't want yourself to get hurt. I'm not going to just swan dive off of the platform. It's going to hurt, and I don't want to feel hurt. That. It's not what I want. But what God's saying is you need to love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself. That's not natural. It is very hard to, to love your neighbor. It's very hard sometimes to love your spouse. Ask Paige. She has a hard time. I guarantee it. But God commands us to do those things, and it's not natural for us. And when we start looking at... Uh, just some of the major doctrines that the Bible teaches of virgin birth. That does not make sense. That does not compute to the natural man. It's foolishness to say that there was a girl 2,000 years ago that immaculately conceived and gave birth to a perfect human that died for our sins. Like when you sit and think about it logically, that does not make sense. But the Holy Spirit us and we know that's right that's true the spirit is telling us this is true this is the right thing to uh, this is the right thing and uh, it, it while it doesn't make sense that is the Holy Spirit teaching us 
Not only does he teach us, he indwells in us. First, uh, first first Corinthians 3.16, just a few verses over. First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The Holy, if you are saved tonight, the Holy Spirit, God is dwelling in you. That is something to rejoice about. You have God dwelling in you. If you are saved tonight, you have God dwelling in you. Think about it. We can't, you can't say it enough. If you are saved, God is dwelling in you. Not only, uh, not only 1 Corinthians 3.16, Romans 8.9 also tells us of this indwelling. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of, Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, if you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you are not his child. But if you have God, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you are God's child. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Not only does he indwell us, not only does he comfort us, he sanctify us, he teach us, he intercedes for us. He steps in for us. Just a, a few verses over in uh, Romans 8, 20, uh, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints, God according to the will of God. Not only is he indwelling in us, but the God that knows all things, that has, is perfect love, perfect truth. Think about this. He's indwelling in you when you need him. Even when you don't know that you need him, he is praying and groaning for you. He is praying and interceding for you. He is stepping in. When we know that Satan is accusing us, the Holy Spirit is stepping in and saying, no. The Holy Spirit is indwelling in you and interceding for you. Not only is he interceding for us, he also convicts. He also convicts. John 16, 7 uh, through 11. 16, 7 through 11. Never, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Is it, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The, the Holy Spirit is that one that when we know that we're doing something, we might not, should be doing. You get that, um, don't do that. It's not your conscience, be your guide. That is the Holy Spirit saying, hey, Please don't. Or, hey, please go witness to that person. Please do something. Please do something that I've had you to do. He is convicting us. That, that's not 
that's not your conscience. That, convic- uh, that conviction, that's from the Holy Spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit indwelling in you saying, please, do this or don't do that. So those are some of the many things that he does. So we understand that he is God. We understand that he is working, working so much. So uh, what do we do? What do we do when it comes to the Holy Spirit? When I started to look at this, the first thought was like, well, I definitely take him for granted and overlook him. And you know what? We're probably not the only ones that do it. Uh, our text verse kind of says that in, um, in Acts 19, uh, 2, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since, they, since ye believed? And they said unto him, We've, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. What Holy Ghost? I didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. But we do know that God had already commissioned his, uh, his apostles to go unto all nations and baptize him under the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we know that there is this Holy Ghost out there, and we know that uh, this is something that all of the apostles, when they went out, preached uh, when it came to the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. Yet, I don't know who the Holy Ghost is. Are we seeking who the Holy Ghost is? Do we know who the Holy Ghost is? Do we know who the Holy Spirit is? What else do we do? We grieve. We grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. Looking at the clock, we're almost there. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I've always wanted to say that, and I always forget. (laughs) Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieving the Holy Spirit is doing what he does not want us to do. How many people have done what he does not want you to do? Yep, grieving the Holy Spirit. Not only do we grieve the Holy Spirit, we quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Very easy to remember. 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. What is quenching the Spirit? Not doing what he wants you to do. Think of, here's an illustration. Say you're going to get on a plane. You know you're going to be on a plane for, in my case, 11 hours here in a few few days. Praise the Lord for an 11-hour trip. Uh, but you know, I'm going to be on a plane, or you're going to be on a plane. And you sit next to someone, and all of a sudden, you just, that person that's right next to you, he's, he's lost. Use your witness to him. Tell him about me. Tell him about me. I'm really nervous. I don't know who this person is. Maybe I won't do that. That's quenching the spirit. He wants you to reach out to this person. Just talk to him about the Holy Spirit or about God. Tell him about my. Tell tell this person about my son and what he's done for you. Do it, please. Well, along your long 11-hour flight, you find, the, uh, find yourself talking to this individual. You introduce, say, hi, this is what I do. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about some things. And then all of a sudden, he says an off-color joke. And to be funny, you want to say an off-color joke that you know is inappropriate. And you feel, stop it. Stop. But you keep talking. 
and you keep saying jokes. Now you're grieving the Holy Spirit. So not only have you quenched the Holy Spirit, nope, I'm not going to talk to this individual about you and what you've done for me and what is going to happen to this lost soul if I just have that one chance to at least tell him about what your son did for me. I'm going to put out that fire. I'm going to quench that fire. Not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to grieve. I'm going to choke. I'm going to make... I can only imagine this... I can see it when sometimes Thatcher's just running around, and I know he knows he's not supposed to do something. He's like jumping off of these platforms, and we've told him over and over, don't jump. And every single time, it's just... that. That's the same thing that we're doing to God when we're not doing what he wants us to do. So those are the things that we do. What we ought to do. Easy. Don't quench and grieve the spirit. What does that mean? Do what he wants you to do and don't do what he doesn't want you to do. do you, there's there's a, an easy word. It's a one word that can uh, come with that. We have it up on one of these walls. Surrender. Submit. Submit to what God wants from you. James 4, 7 tells us, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Then you can resist the devil. Submit yourself under God. God, you know what? I'm going to do what you want me to do. If I'm doing what you want me to do, I'm not doing what you don't want me to do. I'm doing what you want me to do. Pastor says that all the time. He says, if you're not where you're supposed to, if you are where you're supposed to be, guess where you're not? where you're not supposed to be. If you are submitting yourself unto God, then you are putting his will and you're putting the Holy Spirit's, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you the way that you should. And what does that look like? These last verses that I have for you. Uh, Galatians, Galatians chapter five, uh, chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Verse 16 through 25. Galatians 5, 15 through, or 16 through 25. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These are the works of the flesh. These are those things that grieve the Spirit. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, uh, revelings, and such like. Such like. That means there is more, but they are like this. And such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that which do such, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The spirit that is indwelling in you is trying to separate you, sanctify you to, from the world and those that do these things. And when we are grieving and we are uh, quenching the spirit, we are putting ourselves in this lump sum. And that's not what God wants from us because we are to be that light for uh, Christ and we are quenching that spirit, quenching that light. But the fruit of the spirit 
is love, joy, peace. You could stop right there and be, well, that's good. Who wants, who wants love, like perfect love? Who wants perfect joy, that just feeling of just joy and happiness? Peace. Man, this world is an unpeaceful world, isn't it? There is something new every day that is troubling. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against there is no such law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you are going to live in the Spirit, God wants you to walk in the Spirit. Crucify the flesh and walk in the Spirit. If we would but simply walk after the leading, he will guide us according to the perfect will of the Father, just as he did Jesus. We know that the Spirit anointed Jesus, and we look at Jesus' example, it was perfect. He was perfectly perfect love, perfect joy. These are things that we want in our lives, but God wants us to just walk after the Spirit. Uh, before I close this Matthew Henry comment, I, I just read it, and, and I had to. Uh, bring it up. He is the spirit of truth. He will be true to you and to his undertaking for you, which he will perform to the utmost. When God says that he is going to perform something, he is going to perform it to the utmost. We can't even comprehend what that utmost looks like. He will teach you the truth, will enlighten your minds with the knowledge of it, will strengthen and confirm your belief of it, and increase your love of it. The Gentiles by their, by their idolatries and the Jews by their traditions were led into gross errors and mistakes. But the spirit of truth shall not only lead you into all truth, but others by your ministry. Christ is the truth, and he is the spirit of truth, the spirit he was anointed with. The Lord wants us to know who he is and what he's doing. He wants you to know who the, who the spirit is. Holy Spirit is and what he's been doing. That way, once we understand who he is, who the Holy Spirit is, and what he's doing, we can understand what we're supposed to do, or what we currently do, and what we ought to be doing. Let's pray. Lord and blessed Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you so much for indwelling in us. Lord, we know that if we want to walk with you and walk for you, Lord, that we need to be walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh, Lord. And I just pray that if there's anyone here tonight that may not know you, that does not know for sure that you are dwelling and dwelling with them, that they have not accepted your son as their personal savior, Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, and for those that may be saved, Lord, or that are saved, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to apply this to our lives, not to overlook the Holy Spirit, Lord, and the many uh, workings that the Holy Spirit does. Lord, thank you again for your spirit, and we love and praise you in your name. Amen. With heads bowed.